Hey everyone, we're back. Welcome to episode two of Whiskey Queens. This week we're talking about the Dingle and Talisker distilleries, popping off about politics and complaining about our weak palates. Hope you enjoy. Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah, hey, I, totally just, I, <laughs> hey, I totally just jacked my face with my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to the show. Hi, Nick. Sorry, everyone. Welcome to the show. Paul's assaulting himself, and we are back for a second episode. Um, I am very happy to say that we are officially at 71 listens since last week. Ooh, 71. 71. I was impressed, considering I only really thought we'd be sitting in, like, the our immediate friends. Somehow we're in the 70s. Right? Our immediate friends slash people we've slept with. Is that the... Is that's that the opening yeah, category. Yeah, that's but we that's the baseline. But I can tell you, we branched beyond that because I've heard from people who I have not slept with, uh, although they are my immediate friends, or or in that category, if you will. Or so, or an overlapping a Venn diagram of friends and former partners, if you will. Sure. Okay. I mean, I am a gay man. That is that is our lot in life. Mm, true. Well, hopefully this round we have better audio on my part. I apologize about last week, everyone, but I am officially hardwired in and done with the rookie mistakes. Um, and thanks. We heard from a good number of you. Granted, they were acquaintances and people that we knew in the past, but we heard from a good number of you that you liked what you were hearing and you enjoyed us. So we're going to do it again. And here we are. And we have international listeners. We had people from the UK, Sweden and Little Cayman, not to mention, obviously, people in the U.S., I can take credit for Switzerland. I know that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know which one of us can take credit for the UK. I can take credit for Little Cayman because my friend and your friend, Beth, actually is down there. <gasps> That's right. Uh-huh. And she is one of our listeners. And she is the one who um, gave me the little tidbit. I guess they, to get better sound, have been known to do their podcasts and their interviews under towels. Now, I am not under a towel right now. I am surrounded by pillows, though, to absorb some of the noise in this shit show. I, on the other hand, it just, you know, sprawled out on my couch on my second glass because unlike Nick, I tend to pregame these episodes, or at least so far. I'm going to need to start doing that. I am taking my first sip now and it's lovely. Um, yeah. What are you drinking today? Uh, today, today, today. I am drinking Talisker Select Reserve from the Talisker Distillery, uh, which is located in Carbust, Scotland. I probably said that wrong, so I apologize to every person from Scotland, um, which is on the Isle of Skye. So you're talking about, it's the second largest island uh, as part of the island chain in the, in the Hebrides, which is in the Northwestern region of Scotland. So, okay, yeah. very nice. You dove right in there, I like that. So I'm drinking, I have a very small amount left in this bottle, so this makes me a little bit sad, but it's mm -hmm. such a fantastic bottle. Um, and I'm fangirling just a little bit because the bottle and the distillery that I'm drinking today actually re-Instagrammed something I posted from our new Instagram account, and I was very, very happy to see that this morning. It made my day. Um, but I am drinking... Dingle Distillery, which is a small distillery in Dingle, Ireland, on the Dingle Peninsula, and it is their batch four of their single malt whiskey, and it is delicious. And I will talk a little bit more about that later in the show, but it is really good stuff. But yeah, so when I woke up this morning and scrolled through my Instagram pre-coffee, I noticed that my post was suddenly in someone else's story, and when I realized it was the Dingle Distillery, I was very excited. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Look at us. By the way, quick plug, we have an Instagram handle. We do. Good segue. We do officially have an Instagram handle, and we have a website that I officially launched last week. Uh, so on Instagram, we are The Whiskey Queens. So at The Whiskey Queens, whiskey with an E-Y. And the website is whiskeyqueens.com. Again, whiskey with an E-Y, queens.com. So both are up and running. Follow us, tag us, comment, let us know what you're thinking. Um, yeah, it's all good Share stuff. Share a bottle that we should try. We have that delightful feature on the website. 
Yes. If you have recommendations, please click the little button, fill out the little form and let us know what we should be trying. Um, we did, I did venture into the grocery store this week because we can buy hard alcohol in our grocery stores up here, which is a delight. And I have a smorgasbord of options ahead of me in the grocery store before even having to go venture out and find something at a liquor store, but open to recommendations. Absolutely open to recommendations. Yeah. I haven't decided, I haven't ventured Well, I can't venture out actually physically into, well, I guess I could depending on the liquor store here in the district. But the one closest to my house, I can't just sort of stroll on in. I have to browse via the web. Oh, COVID regulations in DC. Yes. Uh, now we are a little more open up in Maine. We are a green categorization right now. So we can peruse and walk in and out of most stores without an issue, as long as we are masked up. Um, social <laughs> responsibility plug. Everyone put on your damn masks. I don't get it. Not that hard. Not uh, that hard. Um, but while I'm making plugs, I'm going to make one more plug, and it is for my friend at work who is comfortably troubled on Instagram. Uh, she's a blogger who gave us an awesome shout out last week after she listened to the episode, and I appreciate that. So I wanted to give her a shout out again, um, but definitely go check her out. She is comfortably troubled on Instagram, and she wrote one of Paul's favorite blog posts called I Don't Like Sprinkles. That's a lie. <laughs> uh, not that she is not fabulous. But I do like sprinkles, in fact. Therefore, I do not like that post. Is like even a fair word for what you feel towards sprinkles? What do, you, do you want to use love? I, infatuation is infatuation. more where I was going. I, I don't know that I would say an infatuation. I enjoy sprinkles, ladies and gentlemen. I enjoy them. I don't know. I just do. It's not like I want to roll around in a vat of them. Or, like, eat them with every meal, but I do enjoy them. All right, so story time. Um, long, long time ago, when I still lived in the district and had first met Paul, we went on a date to a lovely little eatery in Capitol Hill where you can get milkshakes and all kinds of lovely things. And along the wall, they had jars of sprinkles. Oh, Christ. And I do recall, yeah, pour yourself another glass. I do recall. You looking longingly across the way at that massive jar of sprinkles. Longingly. Longingly. That is the way that I would phrase that interaction. Yeah, okay. So, but yeah, sorry, comfortably troubled. He did not love the blog post, but we do love you for giving us a shout out. So thank you. Yes. So I'm going to do a bit of course correcting before we jump into what we're really drinking and where it came from, because uh, we talked about Middleton and Jameson last week, and I went back and kept digging in and around this, because even I'm lost in how many names are part of the Jameson Middleton brand, um, and it, there's a little bit of history to it that I wanted to share. So in 66, Jameson merged with this group that became the Irish Distillers Group. And all of these different, essentially, brands of whiskey merged, formed this group, and it was a way to kind of consolidate what was going on and kind of bring everything kind of to one location. Because in 76, the new Middleton Distillery outside Cork opened. Um, that led to a couple of closures for Jameson, uh, specifically the Bow Street location and the Johns Lane location in Dublin. Both closed and operations were moved to the new Middleton Distillery. So I have visited there. That is where the Irish Whiskey Academy is located, which we are desperately trying to get to when we are allowed to travel again. Um, but that's where their center of operation is. And that distillery in Middleton now produces the whiskeys for Jameson, Middleton, Powers, Redbreast, uh, the Spot series. So I have a bottle of Green Spot downstairs. I might drink that next week. Um, and Patties. Uh, so, and if you kind of zoom out, this is where that corporate conglomerate thing kind of starts, um, where you see that it is Pernod Ricard that actually now owns the Irish Distillers Group. They bought that in 88. And if you look on their website or do any stocking of them, they own a ton of brands. Uh, their portfolio includes things like not only the whiskeys, but you're going to see things like Absolute, Beefeater. Um, Malibu, Jameson, Havana Club, Glenlivet, a bunch of other different brands, including some wines, um, and then a few other kind of lesser known brands. But things like Seagram's, all of those are in their family. So they own all of these different things. And this is where, where whiskey and alcohol gets really corporate, and you don't quite realize it. So I wanted to do a little bit of course correcting there on kind of the Jameson Middleton thing, because while it feels really small when you're there and it feels kind of old world, um, it's not. It's owned by a giant corporation. 
but they still make amazing whiskey. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I'll probably dive a little bit more into uh, Diageo, uh, which is the sort of large corporation that runs a lot or owns, I guess, a lot of the uh, Scotch distilleries in Scotland, including Oban, which we talked about last week or in the first episode, depending on how you're listening to this, uh, and also uh, owns Talisker. So we can dive a little bit more into that. Um, Nick, do you want to talk about your particular drink? I do. So actually, I'm going to ask you a question first. Oh, is it, no. well, correct me, because I think I was saying it wrong last week. Is it Oban or Oban? Okay, so <laughs> it is Oban. And I talked ad nauseum about it at the beginning of the episode. And then as we continued to drink throughout the episode, I lost any sense of consciousness I had. And by the end, we were both saying <laughs> Oban. And as I listened to the episode uh, after we recorded, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Really? <laughs> I was like, I spent all this time, you know, figuring out how to say it and then making sure I said it correctly. And then, you know, highlighting it for the audience. And by the end, we're both like, Oban, Oban, Oban. All right, everyone. So it is Oban, not it is, Oban. It is Oban, yes. Excellent. So in complete contrast to everything I just said about Jameson and Middleton and the brands and kind of how corporate they are at the top. Um, and like I said, I love them. I have all the love in the world for Jameson and their brands, um, but they are very corporate at the top of the chain. In complete contrast to that this week, like I said a little while ago, I'm drinking um, batch four single malt from the Dingle Distillery in Ireland. So I'm sticking in the same country because I have a deep love for Irish whiskey. Um, but this distillery is really, really cool. I was able to visit the distillery when I was in Ireland um, last year, and it was one of the best experiences because it really is a small local distillery that is owned essentially by the distillery. Uh, there's no corporate person or corporate entity living behind it. It's just the distillery, which I think is really cool. So it's a small artisan distillery, like I said, located in Dingle. It's right outside the main town. And they started this adventure in 2012. So Ireland is just leaving their recession and they're starting this venture. Um, and it's three individuals who manage and run the business. Um, so the first casks were filled on December 18th, 2012. And three years and a day later, they bottled their first batch. So that kind of falls in the realm of the three-year rule with Irish whiskey. Um, and... and yeah, so in their production, they use handcrafted copper stills, which are amazing. I'll post some photos of those later on because I do have some photos from my last time I was there. Um, and with this, the entire thing was possible because they don't have that corporate funding. They don't have that capital. Um, they did something called the Founding Fathers Program. So when they were first opening the distillery, there were kind of two things that happened. They rapidly started producing vodka and gin because those are two things that you can produce pretty quickly and get out to market to start creating capital. Um, there's no aging of those things over a long period of time like there is with whiskey. Um, they also made 500 casks available for purchase or investing. So those people who purchased or invested in these 500 casks are now considered founders of the Dingle Distillery. And when you do that, you have this really amazing option of being able to kind of customize your whiskey, if you will. Uh, they, you have the option to mature the whiskey in port, sherry, Madeira, or bourbon barrels. It was the investor's choice. And after three years and a day, they have the option to bottle their whiskey, keep it in the cask, and keep aging it. Or they can sell it back to the distillery. Um, but if they bottle it, it actually has like a special label that goes on it and everything. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and like I said, I'm drinking batch four, the single malt. Uh, this one was matured in bourbon, sherry, and port casks. And the tasting notes on this one are kind of like a creamy vanilla. Um, and then you get some dried fruits from the fortified wine casks. Um, so, and then you're drinking Scottish whiskey, correct? Because we share some characteristics in our whiskey that I wanted to talk about after you talk about your drink. That is correct. Uh, I am drinking the Talisker Select Reserve. Uh, which is a Scottish school. I can't even talk. I've probably had too much already, which is a Scottish whiskey. That's with a KY, not an EY. Um, it is from the Talisker distillery uh, on the Isle of Skye. As I mentioned, this particular uh, select reserve is a single Scotch malt whiskey. 
Uh, and for those of you, I did a little research, Nick, before this, just so you know. Uh, and for those who are curious what a single malt scotch whiskey means, right, to qualify uh, to be such a whiskey, it must have been distilled in a single distillery using a pot still distillation process and made from a mash of malted barley. Now, all that are words to me right now, because as part of our podcast is sort of digging in and learning all of this stuff as we move forward. Um, and obviously with any Scotch whiskey, it has to be made in Scotland. Um, you know, that's sort of a no brainer and uh, must also uh, be matured in oak casks for at least casks. I can't even say that for at least three years. Yes. So, and this is where it's interesting because when I was in Ireland, kind of going through these different distilleries, sorry, if you can hear my pen, I'm like punctuating the air with my thoughts right now. Um, when we were going through different distilleries and doing different tasting tours, there was always this distinction of three years and a day. And mm. I've been trying to go back and figure out where this came from, but I feel like it was all rumor and stipulation because there's this, there's this thing with the Irish and the Scottish about the whiskey and with Scottish, with Irish whiskey, it's three years to legally be called Scotch or legally be called Irish whiskey. And a lot of the times the Irish have alluded to the fact that they'll bottle it for three years and a day at minimum. So they can always say their whiskey is essentially distilled or it's in a cask longer. Um, so it takes longer. It's in the process longer than Scotch is. So, and I haven't been able to find a reference to this anywhere since hearing it, but I have been told that, that they keep it in for that extra day so they can say that it's matured longer than Scotch is. Okay. Interesting. Could just be an angry Irishman. Not sure. That, that could be, that could be. So tell me more. So tell me more about what you're drinking. What does it taste like? Cause I don't have a bottle of that at my it, house. It tastes good. Cause I've had my third one. Um, <laughs> so what the tasting notes say, right, is that it's salted caramel with chili flakes that explode into a fruity cake of spice. Um, I can get a little bit of that. I mean, I think in the very first taste you have, you sort of have that sweet caramel, uh, caramel, um, taste, but then definitely it has a kick to it and a spice. Uh, it's also a little smokier than the Oban uh, dis uh, distiller select reserve thing I had last week. God, I am a hot mess right now, everybody. Um, but it's good. I feel like I'm not doing well with this description. Um, so this is always a really interesting conversation that I have with my husband because when we're drinking wine or drinking whiskey, he has the ability to pick up on things that I never pick up on. I don't consider myself to have a hyper-refined palate by any means. Um, I mean, I can pick up on certain things and I know what I like, but when you get into, like if you look at like a tasting wheel for whiskeys, there are certain things that I would never pick up on. And then after I read them and look for them while I'm tasting, I feel like I'm planting the thought in my own head. So, so I'm hoping I develop a palate as this goes on. I will tell you, I just, as you were talking, I was swishing this around in my mouth and I definitely get the chili flakes. It definitely has a heat to it as it sort of sits on the tongue. It's good. I like it. I like spicy things. Uh, so that works out for me. So a little bit more about the Talisker distillery itself. It is the only uh, distillery on the Isle of Skye, uh, which is sort of set on the water, very similar to the Oban distillery that I talked about last in the first episode. Oh, I heard the pop. Yeah, we're going for number two. Uh, perfect. Well, you got to catch up. I'm on three. I know. Um, it was built in 1830 by the brothers Hugh and Kenneth McCaskill. Uh, it was built even though there was opposition from the local clergy, which I thought was a fun fact. They purchased, well, not purchased, I shouldn't say purchased, they leased the land actually from the clan McLeod family, which is one of the original clan families from the Isle of Skye. Another fun fact is in 1880, writer R.L. Stevenson mentions Talisker specifically in a poem called The Scotman's Return from Abroad. I thought hmm. that was an interesting fact. I don't know how many whiskeys are mentioned in poems, but Talisker happens to be one of them. 
similar to a lot of the Scottish distilleries in 1941, Talisker shut its shut down for a period of time uh, in order to preserve and conserve uh, barley during World War II, which I thought was also an interesting fact. The other fun fact for Talisker itself is to this day, it is still one of the main employers in the village of Carbost on the Isle of Skye. Oh, nice. So in that, like, I feel like we're talking about similar types of distilleries because when in Dingle, you can see how integral it is to the town. Like everyone is 110% behind this distillery. When you walk into bars, you see their whiskey, their vodka, their gin behind the bars. Everyone talks about it. Um, They do employ not a ton of people because it's a small distillery, but you know that people from town work in this distillery. They work with local distributors. They work with local farms. So it's, it's really cool in that sense that it's so plugged into the community and you can see how the community supports them because it, it does nothing but kind of bolster Dingle as a town and a region. That makes sense. I mean, I think it's very similar with the Talisker distillery. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive right in right now because if you're Googling uh, the Talisker Select Reserve, the first thing that you will see is that it is part of the Game of Thrones collection for uh, Scottish whiskeys in Scotland. So Diageo, as we described, which is a large corporate, like, I was going to say overlords. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not good at That's this. Fair. The That's large, a fair word. The large corporate <laughs> overlords of a vast majority of this, uh, dis- the whiskey distilleries in Scotland had a partnership with HBO where they partnered with eight distilleries throughout Scotland uh, to, to brand a particular line to a house or a family in uh, Game of Thrones. I don't know how many people who are listening are Game of Thrones fans, but this particular bottle is named after House Greyjoy because the Greyjoys are from the Iron Islands and Talisker is on the Isle of Skye, which is the second largest island uh, off of the coast of Scotland. So I thought that was a fun fact, right? Nice. Did you watch Game of Thrones? I did. Okay, all the way to the end? All the way to the end. Mm. And that was my reaction as well. Okay, okay. As long as we're on the same page. So, so part of me, this is what you want. Okay, folks, I know you don't want my thoughts. I'm going to give you my thoughts anyway because it's my fucking podcast. Um, Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I know, right? I really thought it could have ended after uh, the large battle. The... Um, the Night King and his like dead army. And maybe that's not how it's supposed to end, but I just felt like after such an epic battle with so many, you know, quote unquote deaths or what have you, I just didn't see how you move forward with the Game of Thrones and the wheel after that. I don't know. It just felt weird to me. Well, I feel like we took a like strong female character and then we're like, "Uh, she's crazy off her. Like, how did she go from being like this amazing revolutionary female to being like the crazy one who had to be killed? That's right. really what set me off. Sure. And she was trying to do so good throughout the show, but whatever. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So as we sort of pull out into the corporate overlords of Diageo and Nick, I did my research and that is how you pronounce it. it that is me, how you say it. It took me a while <laughs> to figure it out. And I had to watch some damn YouTube videos from the company to figure it out because it's not like they post anywhere how to pronounce their damn name. But anyway, Diageo is a collection of over 200 brands. It's relatively new. The company itself it was created in 1997, but it ha- with the brands it's acquired has a rich history dating back to the 17th and 18th centuries with such brands as Guinness and Johnny Walker. You know, I think a lot of brands people are familiar with like Tanqueray and Smirnoff and Crown Royal and Captain Morgan and Bailey's and now Aviation Gin all fall under sort of the umbrella of Diageo. It's interesting because in 2012, they made a deliberate decision to invest heavily in Scotch whiskey. And it's why I think they run a significant number or, or have ownership of a sig- significant number of distilleries in Scotland. I mean, their, their five-year purchase plan was to the tune of £1 billion, which is like $1.3 billion. Uh, so it wasn't a small venture on their part. Did you say they own Guinness too? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I have to say, when everyone's allowed to travel again, when in Dublin... 
as touristy as it is, you do have to go to the Guinness factory um, because the tour of the Guinness factory, it's amazing. It's something like six stories and it has like a circular bar at the top that gives you like a 360 glass view of all of Dublin. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It's It's definitely on my list if I ever get to travel again. If, when, you know, when we get our vaccines. It's so fascinating to click around the Diageo website and just see some of the brands. I mean, I listed some of them, which we're all familiar with, right? Um, But it's also interesting to see like Bullet Bourbons on the list too, and Don Julio and Kettle One. They do have quite a a reach. Yeah, it's, you look at these brands and you think, like me until just now, I was like, oh, Guinness is, Guinness is Guinness. Apparently, Guinness is not just Guinness. Guinness is owned by a major corporation, which it is what it is. Guinness is still delicious. I will live and die by that statement. Um, it's like drinking a loaf of bread. Who could be angry at it? But <laughs> like, who knew that they were owned by a major conglomerate? Right. An overlord, as we have now dubbed them. Sorry. An overlord. Yes. That's okay. So the other fun thing that I think Nick and I are going to dive into in a future episode is sort of really looking at um some of these big overlords if you will and their partnerships with tv and movie production and sort of advertising partnerships i think that'd be really interesting you know because i i'm i believe well obviously the game of thrones bottle that i'm drinking has me intrigued by it right but i'm pretty sure that i've seen i've seen in commercials right other partnerships out there i believe that outlanders is that what it's called has a has a current partnership, I think, with a gin and a whiskey. Yeah, they do. They do. So I think that would be a really interesting sort of dive for us to do a little more research on and learn a little bit about and, and talk to our audience about. Yeah, that corporate partnership is interesting because then it's that conversation of like, so we encountered this the other day when we were, ascent, like we were drinking wine and we were falling in love with this particular bottle a friend had bought o- brought over to our house and... It was a great, inexpensive bottle of wine. And the two of us being, me and my husband, wanting to watch our caloric intake in this time of COVID where we can't do anything besides work out on the equipment we bought. And what are calories? What, what are, are they? Uh, I bought a rowing machine during COVID. And thankfully, I still use it, but not as much as I used it in the beginning it's of okay. the pandemic. I, I am seriously contemplating buying a bike. Not like, a, not like a bike to bike out in the real world, but a bike to have in my house and cycle with. Do it. This is an excellent time. I'm going to segue away and then I'll slide back in. Um, just like a DM. Never so, heard that before. Never heard that before, ever. Um, so excellent segue. We would love your sponsorship. If you are really enjoying us doing what we're doing right now, which I would find hysterical if you did, you are welcome to sponsor us at Anchor FM slash Whiskey Queens. We would love it. 99 cents a month. I would love you for it. Um, <laughs> that was a phenomenal transition to a plug, may I just add. I hard pivot. I'm all about the hard pivot. Um, and I will skate back to what I was saying. So I made this regretful purchase. Oh, not really. I still use my rowing machine, but not as much. You were using it like hard and fast in the beginning. I was using it hard and fast in the beginning. And now it's like a few times a week with other stuff because I'm getting bored that I don't have access to a full gym. And after a while, you row and you don't go anywhere. But with all of that said. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. With all of that said, we're trying to be very mindful of how much we're drinking and eating and whatnot. So we're, we're scanning what we eat and keeping track of our calories um, because gay skinny is very different than straight skinny. So True. we scanned this bottle of wine and it came up as a bottle of barefoot. Let that oh. sink in for a minute. The bottle scanned as a bottle of barefoot. That is not how it was labeled. It was labeled as some other fanciful label that was procured at a Trader Joe's. And I can just picture you being like, trash, what is this trash? But we were told by a friend that it happens often where large distributors will essentially take the same wine and slap, there it is, they'll slap different labels on it. So it's a barefoot wine here, but the same wine could also be this Trader Joe's version of the wine and the barcode scans the same, which reveals the Mm -hmm. secret. So when we talk about these whiskeys that are kind of corporately branded, bringing it back, landing the plane. Um, when we talk about these whiskeys that are corporately branded, it's like, is the Greyjoy whiskey any different than the whiskey that's in the whatever other family's whiskey? Like, 
and this is where my palate would betray me because most of the time, if we're talking about similar whiskeys or the same whiskeys with a different label on it, I probably can't tell right now. As horrible as that is to admit on a whiskey podcast. Let's be honest, folks. Since I pre-gamed the show, I can't tell by the time the show starts. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair point. We probably shouldn't reveal that to our entire audience, but what have you. Is... Oh. So what I did notice, however, Nick, that we haven't talked about yet that's in your delightful episode notes is, oh, is it a pop scale or is it a tasting scale? Yes. So one in the same. So my question is to you, maybe to the audience, we can punt this and ask for feedback. Do we want a pop scale? Because I do love that noise, that like, Boop noise that you make when you open that whiskey bottle like you do. Do we want a pop scale for the whiskeys that we're drinking? Like a one to five, a one to ten pops? Does this pop refer to just the noise? Well, I think it's how much we enjoy said whiskey. Like, I would give the Dingle Distillery like a four pop on a five pop scale. So this sort of goes back to, I mean, we could do that, I guess. This sort of goes back to your comment earlier about... uh, the untrained palate, if you will. My palate is untrained, ladies and gentlemen. I know. It's hard to believe after all these years. <laughs> but it is As untrained. refined as you are. As refined as I am, my palate, however, is not. Um, it's one of these things that I'm hopeful that we can sort of learn more about on our journey when we actually get to go uh, to Ireland to do our uh, course that we can sort of learn more about the different types of flavors and notes because it's pretty from my understanding on how this, some of this stuff works is that it's rel- a particular like flavor type is sort of associated with something like green pepper or pepper or chili pepper right it, d- it may not taste like that exactly to you but there's an association that's made that's sort of carried through in all of the tasting descriptions and you said red pepper, so chili pepper, chili pepper. So I'm really curious. Do you truly taste like the heat of chili pepper in what you're drinking? Or I'm going to plant a seed here. Is it like the burn of the alcohol? Sorry. No, sorry for my silence. I was like swooshing it around in my mouth to, and closing my eyes to sort of bury deep into my palate to see what it is. I think it is the burn of the alcohol that people associate with the chili. Because I could see how you could associate it with the chili pepper because it's a similar burn. Yeah. But I'm pretty, uh, but I would say it's probably the burn of the, of the, of a whiskey, right? Like if you let whiskey sit, they burn. Yeah. So there's always, and it's that good burn. Like there's, there's something to be said for like, pouring a finger of whiskey and like throwing that back to burn away the shitty day you had so like part of it is i truly believe some people can taste these things but at the end of the day i'm pretty sure some of this is just like the chili pepper is the burn of the alcohol and maybe there is a hint of that pepper flavor in the back somewhere that i can't identify but at the end of the day when you kind of boil it down no, I would agree. And that's why I say I have an untrained palate, right? Because I haven't taken a course to learn all these different sort of descriptors. What I will say is when I first saw those notes, the first thing that came to mind was like, fuck, I can't give a rating. Like I am, <laughs> I am, I am trash and I don't know how to rate this stuff. But then I did think about it and I said, you know what I could do? I could say, boom, like this, we'll buy it again. And I agree. One. Well, one, but then the like the middle of the road is I liked it. I may or may not buy it again. And the other end is sort of like, eh, fuck that. I don't want it. Like I had it. I did it. I done it. I'm done. So I have a bottle downstairs that I have moved from the bar to the basement because I can't even look at it. Um, oh. And I think. <laughs> I no comment. Like the like to look at the bottle gives me like heartburn, and I think we have to do this during one of the episodes. We have to go down that path of like the hyper, the hyper flavored, overproduced whiskeys that some people gravitate towards and love, and I'm sure they're great in a cocktail. But to be able just to throw this back, I can feel I can feel diabetes creeping into my body just looking at some of these bottles, like the, the honey whiskey. That, oh, ugh, ugh. 
What are you thinking of? Which one are you and thinking of? that. Yep. No offense to anyone who enjoys honey whiskey. To each their own is what I say. But honey whiskey has never been my jam. I don't like my drinks overly sweet. And it just, ugh, on my palate, it just doesn't connect with me personally. But if it connects with you, buy it, drink it, love it. The other thing that comes to mind is like crown apple. I oh, have like God. friends and family who love crown apple. And I say more power to you. It's not my jam. But if it's your jam, then, you know, live your truth and drink it. That's what I say. So Crown Apple, I have one memory of Crown Apple, and it is at my bachelor party in New Orleans, a straight boy bought me a shot, <laughs> two, bought me two shots of Crown Apple. And I remember drinking this, thinking to myself, think what Christ, the fuck? Like, what are you doing to me? This is the but rudest also, thing. Like, really? what's the word I want? Cause I'm losing my, my losing ability to speak. I'm losing my words. It's not, it's um, stereotypical behavior, right? That's being like, Oh, well he'll drink crown apple. Bullshit, bitch. I will drink. It's straight. Probably straighter than you can handle. It was rough. And he, to be fair to the moment, he was very sweet and endearing. It was odd straight man hanging out in a gay bar, but I mean, it is what it is. And we oh, can have a didn't, you didn't make that caveat, girl. So, <laughs> fun. Um, I mean, straight guy hanging out in a gay bar, unbeknownst to me, it took us some conversation to get to that point where I discovered that he was a straight man, just enjoyed where he was or the bartender or whatever the case was. Um, but it was the sweetest and rudest thing that has ever happened at the same time because he was so kind to buy me two drinks. And really, it was the most god-awful thing I've ever put in my body when it comes to alcohol. Um, so now I feel bad, Nick. You've look at you. Me, you've made me feel bad because in my mental universe, what I was witnessing was some straight dude buying you crown apple at some straight bar and be like, hey, 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 drink crown apple. That, that was not the situation. Um, he was a nice gentleman with, in my opinion, and I think this is a litany of opinions. He was a nice gentleman with a subpar palate and taste. <laughs> I didn't um, know that, where that was going at first, but I'm glad I went to palate and palate. taste. Subpar palate. Um, it was just so bad. It was so sweet, and it tasted like, like caramel apple. And whiskey shouldn't taste like caramel apple. Like the peanut butter whiskey that they released this last winter? Blech, what is this? I've not had it, but I heard people love it. No, no. It should come with an insulin shot. Knock it off. Wilford mm. Brimley died. Honor his memory. Stop. Well, what's also interesting, I don't know your feeling. Well, I do probably know your feelings on this, but I can tell the, the audience my feelings on this, right? Manhattan versus old-fashioned. Manhattan. I am a Manhattan person, as are you, as I'm well aware. I find depending on who makes the old fashioned. I've had some old fashions that are, that were very well done that I've enjoyed, but generally I find old fashions to be too sweet. Agreed. And I have, I have had very good old fashions that I've enjoyed, but I gravitate towards the Manhattan. Yeah. Um, just because I like something on the drier side. Now I am. I like things that are liquor quicker, baby. There you go. Have you ever had a Tipperary? No. So Manhattan adjacent, Irish twist, shocking, mm. um, Tipperary. So I'm looking up the recipe now because I typically get it at a bar up here in Portland on occasion. They'll make it for me. It's like an off menu thing that they'll make if you ask for it. So it's um, one and a half ounces Irish whiskey, a half ounce of green chartreuse liqueur, a full ounce of sweet vermouth and... Um, a third ounce chilled water, and then it's served kind Wait. of like a Manhattan with the cherry. I think I've had this with you. What what bar? The bar in Portland, um, Vina's. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> obviously the whiskey's kicking in, um, or old age, I can't tell yet, but... but like, huge fan. So I'm going to say it again. If anyone's looking for it, like, Google, like, Tipperary recipe. But the recipe that I'm coming across, which sounds correct, is one and a half ounces of Irish whiskey, a half ounce of green chartreuse, an um, ounce of sweet vermouth, and a third ounce of chilled water. Serve in a martini glass or in a Manhattan glass with cherry. It's delicious. Um, but I Sorry. love the flavor the Irish whiskey kind of lends to it. 
I'm totally interjecting here. But did I mention when Talisker was started? I don't think you gave a year. Go for it. Oh, 1830, everybody. It was established in 1830. I ask this because I have this beautiful Talisker glass tumbler that I'm drinking my drink out of. Um, just so that, to bring this full circle, right? It, Talisker was similar to Oban, was one of the distilleries that I was able to stop in and visit during my trip to Northern Scotland, to the Highlands, to the Isle of Skye with my family last August. And uh, my delightful Uncle Joel bought uh, myself and himself this little glass tumbler that rocks back and forth. I think uh, maybe I'll post something on, uh, or I'll have you, Nicholas, post something on our Insta page uh, of it, you know, bobbing back and forth. But it clearly says established in 1830. And I was looking at as I was having a sip and I was like, oh, did I say that? So... I appreciate that we're both drinking out of um, distillery respective glasses because I am drinking out of a Dingle Whiskey Distillery tumbler mm. from the distillery that I bought the bottle at. Actually, I have to give credit where credit is due. Our mutual friend, Michelle, purchased this bottle when we were on the trip with her and had it shipped to my house. So thank you, Michelle. I am almost out. So I might be driving to your house in the near future to siphon off some from the bottle that I know is fuller in your possession than the one in mine. Speaking of gifts, I received a package from you today. You did. It finally came. Fuck Amazon. I haven't uh, formally opened it yet. I was saving that for after the show recording, but I did receive it. That's exciting. Yes, and we talked about this last week. So this should be your complete whiskey course, a comprehensive tasting in 10 classes by Robin Robinson. So can I, can I also tell a quick story, which is I, Nick told that during our last recording, so last Tuesday, um, and I got a package in the time frame he said, and I was like, oh my God, it's the book. I'm super excited. Yay. And I opened it up and the book before me is The Wisdom of Sundays, life-changing insights from super soul conversations with Oprah Winfrey. And I was like, mm, this doesn't seem like the right book. No, this is strange. But then I looked at who it was from It's from a different friend. So I greatly appreciate this book from a different friend, but I was very confused at the time. Yeah, no, send you a book on whiskey, not on Oprah. Well, I don't know. I haven't formally opened it yet, so it could, still could be a book on Oprah. For all it could be a book on Oprah, but hopefully it's the correct book. Amazon tells me it's the correct book, and if you get a second book, we'll just raffle it off. Yeah, if we get a second book, which everyone should cross their fingers and pray to whoever you pray to, that I get a second package delivered here, because if I do, it's going to go to a lucky listener. One of our 71. Hopefully uh, we are up to more than 71 when I log off of this. I mean, we could probably actually still buy a book and give it to Elizabeth at some point. We could. We could do that Um, versus scamming one out of Amazon. But speaking of overlords, I feel like Amazon could send us. Oh, listen, one. They deserve like 12 different things to be scammed out of them a day. Okay. But also, yes, Amazon, don't listen to what I just previously said about scamming. Please be a generous benefactor and send us some books. Apparently, a listener from last week said that we mention them so often that we can bank on Wikipedia sponsoring us at some point. Oh, Wiki- oh, that would be delightful. It would be. I will say not an ounce of knowledge from this particular episode came from Wikipedia, but I do still have a place of love in my heart for Wikipedia. I will say a teensy bit of my knowledge did. Yeah, I'll say that. Okay. Not um, gonna lie. Not gonna lie, folks. That's fair. That's totally fair. Um, are you watching any of the convention? Please tell me you're not. Don't do that to yourself. Are you referring to the Republican National Convention? The RNC, as they say for short. I did I watch am. the DNC. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna, for full disclosure, to the uh, dismay, probably, of a, a significant portion of my family, um, I am a Democrat, so I apologize to those listeners who don't. Actually, I don't apologize. You can suck it up and deal with it. I'm a Democrat, so that's life. Um, I did watch the DNC all of last week. I, as I mentioned uh, in our first episode, I had a friend who spoke uh, at the DNC. So that was great to see her and her fabulousness. I did watch maybe an hour or so of 
the RNC last night, its first night, and I will just say this. <laughs> Is that your statement yes. in uh, totality? Yes, and not because I, you know, sure, I have political and policy disagreements, right, with the GOP I have for a long time. It's life experience, it's the, oper- you know, all those sorts of things that factor into sort of our political persuasion. But what I will say is that I, the messaging was just so stark and negative. And I'm not going to say that the, the DNC was, you know, all rainbows and sunshine. It wasn't, right? But the messaging for me from my seat in watching particular speeches last night was just like, one, not fucking factual. Let's be honest here. And two, I was just sort of like, oh, my God, like, no, the Democrats don't want to, like, rape, rob and pillage villages across the United States. Because that's sort of the, oh, God. the the thematic air that was presented. And so I just I found it challenging. And so I only watched a short period of time before I was like, you know, for my own mental health, I don't think this is the best course of action for me today. I give you a lot of credit for buckling up for one night of that bullshit because I couldn't bring myself to do it. Weren't six of the 12, like, aren't six of the 12 guest speakers Trump family? So the interesting thing, sure. Yes, of course. Obviously, duh. Aren't we getting a little North Korea-y with this whole dynasty we have going on here? The fascinating thing to me about this, right, is that... You, I mean, you had some GOP folks on Tuesday or Monday night, last night, the first night of the convention, like Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, right, who I think are more uh, mainstream sort of branded GOP names. But what's fascinating to me is you, no, none of the leadership, right? Mitch McConnell's not going to the RNC. No, you know, Bush isn't. So there's no form of the, the last living Republican president doesn't want any affiliation with this. It's just mm-hmm. a really interesting dynamic. It's a rally, not a convention. That's my opinion on that. Well, matter. there's no new platform. Didn't you hear that? That they didn't uh, create a new platform for 2020? That they're because basically this... keeping the one from 2016 and reaffirming their commitment. Uh, oh, sweet Jesus. Because the sentient election can't get his shit together. Okay, girl, we... <laughs> oh, no comment i'm trying mm. to walk a fine i'm not really trying to walk a fine line i'm, I'm not walking that. a fine line i mean you're anyone who is listening you're listening to an lgbtq podcast assume our political affiliations the fucking sentient cheeto sitting in exactly that is what is necessary to get through any minute of the rnc this week sweet jesus um, in other news, Kellyanne Conway is finally leaving the White House, and the way her daughter and her husband found out was Twitter. I love how she's taking a page out of Jackass's book. Uh, here we are. I'm, I'm not here to speak on the qualifications of TikTok for our country, but what I will say, uh, to circle back to the RNC, as someone who works in criminal justice reform, as I do and have for a long time, Part of, the me- part of the challenge I have with watching some of the messaging is it's just so antithetical to the work that I do and also the facts of the things I know as a criminologist about crime in America and violence and policing and all those different things. So I, I implore people to be educated and to read from various sources and not, I repeat, not consume your news solely from Facebook or Twitter. I second that notion, and I'm going to ask everyone to do research and vote. Please register if you haven't registered. Oh, God, please register and please vote. Do not be an absentee. Like, do not do some, it's not the time. I'm sure libertarians, the one or two who might be listening to this based off of population analysis, are going to be so angry, but... Do this is not the time for an angry vote. Like, do not do a write-in, please, sweet baby Jesus. Just do what we need to do. Mm. But also vote. But like, also vote. I mean, I'm not vote, here. To, I'm not here. Mm. I mean, obviously, vote Biden Harris. But I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. But vote Biden Harris. But just vote because the 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 fundamental principles of a democracy are having people's voices and votes as a part of it, right? 
And the fact that nearly, you know, half of eligible voters in this country do not participate is a problem. Yes. So, yes, at the end of the day, don't vote because we told you to vote a particular way. Vote because it's your right and you should be exercising that. Every single opportunity you have, you have the opportunity to have your voice heard. Every four years, ladies and gentlemen, you should vote for every, every political leader at every level of government because they are representing you and you as a voter should hire them and fire them when you deem appropriate with your ballot. Correct. And because you think the school board isn't an important position to vote for because you don't have kids, the local government is an entry point for people who are looking to get into politics. So those people getting into politics at the ground level in a local community eventually do, in some cases, bubble up into state and federal government. So take an interest at the ground level and see who you are or are not voting into office in your own town, because eventually those people could be sitting in the White House. You never know. So I'm going to take us down off of our soapboxes for a minute. Okay, I'm stepping down. Because this podcast is not not intended. I mean, it's obviously about us and our lives. Everyone, it's about us and our lives. Yeah, if you can acknowledge that for this podcast, then you'll be a happy listener. It's no, it's about our experience and wanting to learn more about whiskey and sort of interwoven with sort of our lives and, and thoughts of the day and that sort of stuff that, you know, in our friendship, like Nick and I have been friends for a long time. And these are sort of the, the flowing conversations we've had. We've gone down so many rabbit holes. And I love that about us because we started off true to mission and talked about our whiskey and our distilleries and how we still don't really know anything. And then we arrived at all of our personal and political commentary as we typically tend to descend into. So what are you drinking next week? Oh, I don't know. Look across the way and tell me what's on your bar. (sighs) Do I have to? You don't have to. We can maybe... Maybe we'll let everyone know what we're drinking via Instagram. I think it's going to have to be a mystery because I'm going to tell you why. Because the bottle I do have, which is Redwood Empire, which is a blend of straight whiskeys from Sonoma County, California, doesn't have much in it. And it's sort of my go-to when I need a splash after a long day. So it may or may not still have... A splash Um, left in it. A splash left in it come next recording. Okay, so I will keep mine close to the cuff as well, because I might, this might be a really good excuse. Hopefully my husband's not listening. It might be a really good excuse to run to the store this weekend and invest in a whole new bottle. Mm. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's Uh, been good. It's been delightful. Excellent. So I will see you same time, same place next week, next week.